0: hi i'm jen and i'm jen welcome to marginalia pod where we treat reading as a sacred practice and
1: find meaning and connections that are both favorite books
0: i would like to begin by acknowledging the gurangai and darug people traditional custodians of the land where i am recording today and pay my respects to their elders past and present
1: I'd also like to acknowledge Tungata Finowa of the Funga Nui where I'm recording today.
0: Hello, Jin. Hello. It's so weird now that I have been in your recording room. I know what it looks like. Yeah, this having been your room for five days. (laughs) I love having been in the fandom room. I was telling everyone, I get to stay in the fandom suite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Correct. And it'll stay the fandom suite for future visits, because all my fandom stuff is going into <laughs> the spare room. Um, Hey, what sparked joy for you this week?
0: Well, I've had a very big week. Uh, it's show quilt season, which means that I've been quilting all week, so I've just been listening to podcasts and ruining my shoulder and <laughs> sitting down mm. all week. But one of the things that I do every time I have a show quilt is I like binge a show and our friend Bethany had been talking about Nancy Drew for an extremely agonizing amount of time. Like we have just been inundated with all of these beautiful yearning gifts and like all of her meta and she writes the best meta. Like she's so good at like picking moments and talking about things and doing comparisons. Like Bethany's brain is galaxy brain all the time. So I ended up watching Nancy Drew, and I ended up watching all three seasons of it, and it was so good. And that was just really like a highlight of the week, even though at the end of season three, I'm not going to spoil it, but like I was crying my face off. My husband walked in and said, are you okay? And I'm like, no, it's terrible. And he's like, Bethany's fired. Yes, Bethany's fired. But it was just really good. I haven't (laughs) really binged something in a really long time that I like immediately had to keep watching because I was so invested in the characters. It was just really good. Nice. A lot of jump scares, though, and a little bit of body horror, so it's not for everyone, but if you're working yeah. on something while you're doing it, maybe it's not so bad.
1: I started watching it, but then it scared me, so I had to stop because, as you know, I'm scared of everything. So I can only watch it during the daytime, much like Teen Wolf, where I had to watch it during the day, and like, I don't have time during the day to watch shows. So alas, it might have to be a holiday thing.
0: Next time we'll make some time to binge it. I'll bring my dongle so it's actually easier for us to do that. Didn't have the dongle this visit. Um, what sparked joy for you this week?
1: Oh, honestly, it's just been a horrible week. Like something mm. is rotten in the state of Denmark. But you know, at least um my friends and I played D D last Sunday and it was really lovely. We hadn't played in months, so it was nice mm. to get together and play. And it's like the sick the kind of the last chapter before the whole campaign that I'd come up with wraps up. And we only got halfway through it and they were like, okay, well, we have to play next week because we don't want to forget what happened and we want to like keep playing. So we're going around to my mate's place tomorrow and we'll finish up this little section. So it's just really fun that we get to do it two weekends in a row, which is really rare for us. It's usually like months in between. So yeah.
0: I'm glad that you get two weekends in a row doing something you really love. That's awesome. I know. Well, we are starting season eight. We're going to be reading The Dream Thieves by Maggie Stiefvater, which is the second book in The Raven Cycle. Jen, would you like to read us the blurb?
1: I can, I can. So, Ronan Lynch has secrets. Some he keeps from others, some he keeps from himself. One secret, Ronan can bring things out of his dreams. And sometimes he's not the only one who wants those things. Ronan is one of the Raven Boys, a group of friends, practically brothers, searching for a dead king named Glendower, who they think is hidden somewhere in the hills by their elite private school, Agdenby Academy. The path to Glendara has long lived as an undercurrent beneath the town, but now, like Ronan's secrets, it's beginning to rise to the surface, changing everything in its
0: wake. Is this your favorite book in the series? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cause Ronan is your like- Ride or die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm like team Gansey all the way. Like I, I love Ronan, but I love Ronan the way that Gansey loves Ronan. mm this is such a good book though and I think I listened to it like a year or two ago just to listen to them while I was doing other things and I was listening to it again and I was just remembering how much I really love the way that listening to it changes the the feeling of it because it really does feel so much more summery and sun-soaked and slow.
1: I read it again right after we finished reading the Raven Boys for the pod and I was like, no, nope, barreling on straight through. So I read the next one and... Yeah, so that was a couple of months ago now. Mm. Um, but I just love it so much. I love the way the atmosphere of it, the, the the undercurrent of like adrenaline, but also like just wanting and not knowing what you're wanting. That just permeates the whole thing. It's so interesting because there's a, a line in this section that we read where it talks about the summer suns, and I read a book called Summer Suns last year which is set like it's it's touted as this kind of gothic horror southern horror southern gothic story it's all about street racing and so much Mm. of it is about the cars and stuff and i was just the whole time i was reading it i was just so struck by the way that the entire point of that book is to be about street racing and about summer and about this kind of gothic horror but dream thieves does such a better job of that and it's like doing something (laughs) else entirely like it's telling a completely different story so oh, it's just yeah. like reading Summer Suns and the whole time being like, yeah, but it's not its not as good, as it?
0: <laughs> I think actually a lot of people have made that comparison. Like a lot of people that I've talked to who love the series have been told to read Summer Suns or have read Summer Suns and gone, oh, yeah, it's like I see what it's like a similar thing. It's an analogous thing, but it's not quite the same.
1: I honestly think the difference is that you don't like... To go, you know, not to be sacred about it, but Maggie Stiglato obviously was a journalist. She did car journalism for a very long time, motor journalism. Yeah. And I think that is the thing. Like, she genuinely loves cars and she genuinely knows cars. And that comes through even when she's not talking about cars. Whereas yeah. some of some is talking about racing in a way that it's like, it's theoretical. It's not lived. Whereas with Dream yeah. Thieves, it feels lived. It feels real. So that's where I think the difference is between the two. But
0: yeah that's a great point she does this is the thing like she puts her own cars in the books like mm. the pig is a real car um Kavinsky's e- Evo is a real car it's one of her like it's her Evo isn't it um yeah but I, I don't think know that- if
1: the Evo predates the book or did she get the Evo because of Kavinsky I can't remember which way around that went I don't know well in terms of themes we are carrying on our theme of connection which we yes. you know, started the Raven Boys with, and we're going to carry that through all of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to coming back to that and seeing how the connections have deepened and changed since the, the changes that happened at the end of the last book, you know, like
0: Adam made that huge sacrifice. It also bears mentioning that while we're recording this, the final book in the Dreamer trilogy is going to come out. So we're probably going to be a little bit useless <laughs> in terms of I'm not sure when in our recording schedule it's actually going to happen, but it's only a It comes few. out
1: the 18th of October, so it's yeah, only so it's like, like three s- weeks away.
0: Smack dab in the middle, hey, so... Yeah. Yeah, so we might be like, ah, so many feelings! I think so our yeah, just... conversations might be a little bit more in-depth, because we're going to be linking it all together.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, because like I definitely noticed that when I reread this... You know, my attitude to Declan has completely changed having Same. read the Dreamer trilogy. You know, yeah. like the way we we get to know Declan in the the Raven cycle is so different compared to when we get his interior <laughs> life.
0: Yeah, and like even the in first in this time bit, you read the Raven cycle, you're like, "Yeah, beat him up, Hitman. take him out. He's the worst." <laughs> and now I'm like, my little Declan. He's the dad of the friend group. Let him be. Leave him alone. Also, just the assumptions that
1: Ronan makes about Declan and why Declan does things, and how once we've seen Declan's point of view, it's just how completely wrong that is. It's so fascinating yeah. to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. But anyway. Ronan is all about truth, but he doesn't always see other people's truths as being fundamentally true, like, because they're not true for him.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting one. Yeah. Well, we should talk about this week so that we can just get into it hey oh yeah absolutely uh this week we were reading the prologue through chapter six through the theme of secrecy which is super exciting did you have a uh, story for us on the theme of secrecy
0: I do so I want to tell a story about my little sister Jillian um now she is completely incapable of keeping a secret or holding on to information and the household we grew up in it was like not a good idea to tell everybody everything because like With as many people as we had living there, people were always in each other's business and they're just, it was just like exhausting. So at one point, I had written a diary and hidden it like under the carpeting in my bedroom. And my sister Whitney still found it and read it and told everybody about it. Like, this was just the house we grew up in. (laughs) You couldn't have secrets, they would be winkled out of you and it was terrible. So, my sister Jillian, when I was 16 or 17, I was driving. She had to go to school. We both had late notes for whatever reason. We were both late to school. And I was like, dude, let's skip the morning and go buy some CDs at Fred Meyer, which A, dates me and tells you exactly where I'm from, Pacific Northwest, Fred Meyer. And she was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we, like, wagged the morning off of school. We, like, went and bought CDs. We were listening to stuff. We had a great time. I dropped her off at her school. I went on to my school. Late notes, fine. Totally had pulled this off. But then about three weeks later, she got mad at me for something and was like, and then... Jennifer and I skipped school. And it was like, and my mom just looked at her and was like, well, she's never going to do that for you again. And I was like, yep, that's pretty much it. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to risk getting in trouble if you're just going to, you know, Mm. daub me in later. So, like, it had kind of backfired that she was unable to keep the secrecy of our, like, little adventure, which I had really, like, enjoyed. And we didn't get along very much at all. So I kind of loved having the opportunity to be like, yeah, let's go do something. Let's go do something fun. Just Mm -hmm. us. You have to know when to keep a secret and you have to know when this sort of secrecy is required. And And I just like, I don't think kids should tattle all the time. Sometimes, you know, obviously if they're hurting each other or whatever, yes, I want to know about it so I can tell them politely and firmly not to. But with my kids, I'm like, just like live your lives and do your thing. But I want them to have that relationship. And sometimes me not being a part of it, not that they have to keep it a secret, but me not being a part of it is what strengthens it. Mm. And I wonder if my sister had been a little bit better at keeping secrets, I would have been a little more trusting and it's sort of two way street like and it wasn't even a bad secret. It was obviously like naughty of us to wag school, but we had late notes and I was a pretty responsible kid all told so it wasn't too terrible Hmm. but yeah I just I think about that sometimes and I wonder like I wish I wish she hadn't so that I could trust her and I wish I had been willing to trust her again afterward Hmm. so that's my little story about secrecy and why it can be good
1: (laughs) yeah no I love that sometimes yeah secrets you can have good kinds of secrets all the time like when you keep secrets about getting someone a gift and you like keep that a secret or you organize a surprise party or something like that. A kind of secret I find kind of pointless is like I obviously work in an office and there will always be like a birthday card circulating and it's like secret secret don't mention it or like when someone leaves and the leaving card does the rounds and there's like a leaving gift and like why are you acting like this person doesn't know they're getting a leaving card like what are you doing (laughs) why are we like sliding it under the desk to each other like it's a covert drop in a park like it's so dumb.
0: But it is kind of fun, isn't it? It makes you feel like you're in on something. <laughs> i like, oh, so definitely not fun. writing like, in your card.
1: They know we're doing it, guys. Anyway, <laughs> it's fine. It's just like you have to pretend not to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to so pretend funny. to be shocked. Anywho. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's nice to remember that secrecy is not always a bad thing. And yeah, for I- sure. I will do our chapter summary, so we can start talking about it. So, yay! The Gangsy are spending the summer exploring the ley line and approaching Water from the other angles. Unfortunately, this hits a snag when they realise there's a lake in the way. While Gangsy sorts out a solution, his mum pressures him to make an appearance for her political campaign. Meanwhile, Ronan has dreamed some spare keys to the Camaro and a mysterious translating puzzle box. Adam remains a little remote and unknowable, and Blue starts to question her purpose and identity. We get a couple of glimpses of Kavinsky, someone who is a lot of trouble, and Declan gets a visit from a hitman, but he luckily survives. I have to say, I love that chapter when Declan gets beaten up. Not because Declan gets beaten up, but because the way that it's written. Like, the the grey man's perspective is so interesting. He's, like, so nonplussed by it. He's just, like, Hmm. taking a professional interest in what is happening. And then later he talks about, after my chat with Declan, I'm like, you did not chat to Declan. (laughs) What are you doing? He's so, like... Nah, blase about it i kind of love it
0: yeah i do too and i think the reason i love it is because i was i was actually thinking of you the whole time where i was like this guy is so good at what he does i was so like good. jen's gonna love this guy he's the best hitman look <laughs> like, and he's so competent like he's just he's not like cocky but he's very confident in his abilities mm. so he's like a locked door wouldn't deter me but these boys really should have better fathers the because their fathers are of this thing. <laughs> Yeah, their fathers are sending them to a school where the doors aren't locked enough for me to have to try to get through them. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what, what is happening?
1: <laughs> he's definitely inducted into the Bad Dad Club board of trustees. He can be one of us because he's like, the world yeah. is full of bad fathers. Well, and I
0: think he had a bad father because, I mean, we do find out later that his brother was a sociopath. Yeah. But I feel like if if you have parents who are letting this happen, like you are unable to see them as anybody but someone who let this horrible thing happen to you. Mm. So I'm pretty sure that he's written off his parents. That was, that's my vibe. But he does have opinions on what being a good father looks like. Mm and he has he does not think that Niall Lynch was a good father which i think is a really interesting counterpoint to Ronan who absolutely loved and adored his father.
1: Yeah, like i don't have beef with like, i know a lot of people think Niall is a terrible father and did all these things but i i don't know i've confl- I'm conflicted about Niall in a lot of ways. So it'll be definitely be interesting to to keep reading and see how it goes.
0: Yeah, i kind of want to explore how Declan and Niall interact versus how Ronan Views his dad because there's very much a difference there. But I think that comes from
1: like our topic of secrecy, right? Like so, Ronan thinks he's the only one who knows his dad's secret, but we know that Declan mm. does know, and Declan actually knows a lot more than Ronan does about his dad and his dad's past and his dad's like lie, which is why he has a, a more complicated relationship with Niall than Ronan does. But I just think it's so interesting that Ronan just assumes, because, you know, he says to his father on page four, I know where the money comes from. And Niall says, don't tell anyone. But surely Declan Mm. at that point already knows too. So Niall is setting them up against each other. Like he makes them hold secrets from each other. He's always isolating them it's just he's an interesting character like Niall's entire life is just a secret like he's a mystery what he does how he does things everything is like secrecy right
0: yeah and I I do think there is definitely some favoritism that happens like Ronan is his dad's favorite and Matthew is their mum's favorite so Declan is no one's favorite I think that was a line in the last book but it's really unfair because we later discover that Declan has basically been running this business for like a long time like he's the one who turns all of his dad's work into actual income. Like, that's his job to do that. And so there's something about that where he doesn't feel like Aurora is the kind of person who can actually take care of them. He's kind of doing a lot of the work to make his dad's business actually viable. And he doesn't get the favoritism. He's just expected to do the duty. And it's really hard, especially when you're a teenager, especially when you're the oldest. There's all of this pressure to do this stuff and do it in a particular way. And there's a lot of resentment, right? Yeah, yeah. And Ronan just doesn't know any of this, he just doesn't know it so it's kind of a secret from Ronan that his brother actually is doing a lot of this work I mean the, the dad gets to swan in and be magical
1: also Declan knows that the, their mother is a dream like Ronan doesn't know that at this point right so there's that line when they're talking about the well on page 34 where it says Declan said it doesn't matter mum's nothing without him she's not fighting like he already knows that there's no hope for their mother without Niall yeah. but Ronan doesn't know that he just thinks Declan is being callous and dismissive it colours the way that he sees Declan but Declan is kind of like just pragmatic about it because he's not magical. He has to be pragmatic. But I'm really interested, really interested to see how this plays out in the in Grey Warren. Because like we're going to learn it so much more about Declan's mother. Mm. It's just going to be really interesting. I want to know how that influenced everything. Like, ah, So many questions. Yeah. I love this description that we get of the different kinds of secrets. Like, There's the first kind of secret, which is the one everyone knows about. The second kind of secret, which is the one you keep from yourself. And then the third one, which is the one no one knows about.
0: I just yeah. love that,
1: and I was sort of using that as a way to read this section for secrets.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I feel
1: like everyone has a lot of secrets. So many. Like, Blue keeps Gansey's fate a secret, right? Like, Adam knows, but the others don't know about it. She won't tell him. Well,
0: Adam doesn't know yet. I think Adam finds out in the third book that it's for sure. Oh, right. Like, no one really knows but Blue and her family yet, you're right, mm. that Gansey is only going to live for a year and she's she just wants to save him so much i actually had that in my TED, Gentle marginalia under the bluesy of it all because i was like she just wants to save him and she thinks about him all the time and she's worried about him all the time but she's like no i'm picking adam
1: that's the second secret right the one you keep mm-hmm. from yourself like she won't let herself know believe trust that she's actually in love with gansey like that's a secret she keeps from herself because it's just true right like It's there for all to see.
0: It's starting whether she wants it to or not. She's thinking about how handsome he is. Every time that she describes him, it's like his ardently yellow shirt flapped against his chest and his tan shorts. I knew
1: you were (laughs) going to bring up the polo shirt.
0: love his clothes so much, they're so ridiculous. I
1: think Genzi also keeps Blue a secret. I think the kind of secret that he knows about. Like, I, he knows that he likes her. Yeah. But he's just, like, keeping that from everyone else.
0: That moment in Nino's, right? When Ronan says something really awful to her and he won't look at anyone, but he's like, you're not going to talk to her again that way. Mm. And everyone's like, well, it's weird that he's not looking at anyone. That's what made the moment weird. It was because he wasn't looking at anyone. Mm. He's not letting anyone know how he feels.
1: And Kavinsky also keeps Ronan a secret, right? Like, so on multiple levels like Kavinsky knows that Ronan is a dreamer Mm. and he's not told anyone else
0: yeah I think Kavinsky is like a cartoon villain in some ways like he's not really real he is almost a dream himself and that he's just kind of a nightmare the way that Blue describes him is really like it was hard to read how she's very scared of him Hmm. He feels like a night terror. He's, it's because he's unpredictable, right? Like, he is volatile, unpredictable, he's got nothing
1: to lose. That's the difference. Like, he's mm. just got nothing to lose. If you've got nothing tying you down to the world, then, of course, he's the joker of the, the story, right? Yeah. Like, but I will say, I just thought it was so fascinating, right at the end when he, he dreams Ronan... Well, we don't know he's dreamed Ronan this yet, but we he gives Ronan these bracelets, his leather bracelets that he wears the leather bands and ronan's like what do you want me to do with this and he says hell if i know i just thought of you Regift gift them white rabbit mm-hmm. what is that what does that mean because i looked up the meaning of like white rabbits like white rabbits mean luck it means opportunity it means love like is
0: that the Alice stuff of wonderland ex- i feel like it's follow me down this rabbit hole follow me follow me into this wonderland where everything is topsy-turvy yeah he's the first teacher right like he's the first person who really sees ronan and says, "This is what we can do. This is what I can teach you."
1: Well, he's just he will, he just wants Ronan to come along with him, right? Like he just wants Ronan. End of. Yeah. Which is, brings me to the second secret. Like Ronan, we he says on page four, he never put lyrics to the second secret, the one he kept from himself, but it's still played in the background. I used to read that as like his second, because we find out at the end that he mm. he answers that question to himself. His second secret is Adam. Yeah. But now I'm like, maybe it's the same thing. But I think. His sexuality in general is maybe the second secret that he keeps from himself. Like he doesn't know he's gay.
0: Yeah, Ronan seems to me like somebody who falls in love with one person and then just is in love with them forever. Mm. Like he might experience attraction to other guys, but I feel like he's not ever going to think about it or even engage in it. But I just feel like he's like kind of a one-person kind of guy. I don't know. That's my vibe. I feel like Ronan is like because he's very faithful. He's very loyal. Like he's it's very true. Yeah, yeah, he's and he honest. An and... Yeah, so I think for him, it was like once he found the person, it was like that was just the person.
1: I do think he's attracted to Kavinsky, though. He just doesn't recognize that that's what it is. Like every time he talks about Kavinsky, he talks about the cars and how it's like adrenaline waiting to happen and all these mm-hmm. things. I'm like, Ronan, my man. This buddy. is just bad
0: boyfriend territory. That's all it is. I do agree that the second secret is his sexuality. Mm. And I do think it's bigger than just Adam.
1: Yeah, because I used to just think that it meant that he wasn't admitting to himself that he liked Adam, but now I think he's actually just doesn't know that he's gay yet. Like he hasn't accepted it yet. Like he he knows, but he he hasn't absorbed that. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah. Not having tested it out. I mean, like you you can have attraction for someone, you can have attraction for a whole group of people, and not really get it. Oh. As I can personally attest. Say, <laughs> like years. I'm walking proof of that. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I do, so many women I talk to. I have the same thing where they're like, "Oh yeah, girls are just as hot." And like, I think it's
1: because a lot of discourse about queer discourse and discourse about coming out and stuff is like people be like, "I always knew." Like I knew from when I was little. But that is not the lived reality for a lot of queer people. Like they don't no, know until sure. much later. And then you feel like an idiot, because you're like, I cannot believe it took me that long.
0: (laughs) It all seems so obvious now that I understand myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. One of the secrets that I think keeps revealing itself in this series, but in this book a lot, is like people's relationship to their parents and the expectations of who they're meant to be. So you see like, Ronan is scared that he's just like his father, but he knows he's just like his father. But he feels like he's all the scary things about his dad, right? Like he's molten eyes, a smile made for war. He's the dreamer. And then you have Gansey who's really pushing back against what his parents want him to be so that they can like, so his mom can successfully campaign for for Congress, right? He doesn't want to do it. I have Adam who's like already done this work and is kind of on the other side of the traumatic inciting event, but still sort of dealing with the aftermath. Like he's still so tired and he's had to become someone different. Cause he doesn't want to be like his dad like there's a lot of pushback against parenting and even with blue you know she sort of finally snaps at her mom and says when is this thing you've said about potential going to become reality what what does it actually mean what do i actually have to offer and her mom's like well you, basically she says it is what you make it maybe you're something more as what you already know you are um which isn't a bad answer and it's not the wrong answer but Blue wants to feel more than useful, so I thought there was a lot of a lot of pushing back, a lot of people who don't want to be like their parents but see themselves turning into their parents.
1: Mm, that's really interesting. Um, I think because something I noted was that he, he, Ronan talks about Gansey, and the way that you know he didn't realize yet that he could you know stop the sun and ask for the time. And he sort of admires that ability that Gansey can just bring people along on this journey, you know, this kind of Pied Piper journey. Yeah. But he resents that same ability in Declan, because Declan is very charismatic. Is like his father. He walks into a room and takes it by the hand, you Mm. know, like, but that is what Ronan doesn't like about Declan, but he sees it in Gansey and sees it as a positive thing. It's just very interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if maybe if he'd grown up with Gansey and not Declan, he would not like Gansey the same way. Mm. But Declan is very secretive about his dreams and what he actually wants. He seems very outwardly ambitious, but he's just not vulnerable. Whereas Gansy's been willing to make himself vulnerable.
1: Declan's just—it's a his whole life is a lie. It's a whole his whole life is a secret. He just puts up a front. It's a protection mechanism because he's so aware of how much danger this family is in because of their father, right? So that's yeah. why he's got the gun and that you know, it was a secret to the gray man, a surprise to him, which I kind of loved.
0: I loved that too. I read that scene a couple of times through because I really loved how Declan was going to fight and he was going to keep fighting and he was going to do the best he could because he was expecting this to happen, mm. which is just terrifying. 17, 18 year old boys should not be so scared of someone coming to kill them. It's just messed up.
1: And I love that the gray man describes him as like, he truly believed that Declan would
0: shoot him. He's like, there
1: was no hesitation in that stance. Mm. Like, It's not one of those things where he was just, like, threatening to shoot him for, like, the sake of it. You know, he meant what he said. Kind of love that about Declan. To go back to the potential thing, I thought that was a type of secret. The third kind of secret. The one that's unknowable. Potential is a secret. You don't know until it happens, right?
0: Yeah, the future is unknowable. Hmm. Even Gansey reflects that when he was talking about his, his magi, his magicians, his wizards. You know, there was someone to help him tell the future. And he looks at Blue and she's like, Pfft, don't look at me for that. But yeah, it's true that you don't know what's going to happen. But then you kind of do also because time is a circle in this story.
1: And also like Blue's life is kind of not a secret. There's nothing secretive about her life. She's constantly being told this is your future. This is what you're going to do. She lives with, yeah. you know, psychics.
0: There's no ambiguity. She knows what's going to happen even if... She doesn't know how it's going to happen, which is so unfair. I feel like when you have kids, like you just, I mean, I get that they're trying to protect her. Don't walk out in front of a bus and so on and so forth. But there's definitely something about like not limiting them by describing what you see as big truths. I don't know. My mom certainly has opinions about me that I don't share about myself, but I think she really does believe that they're true. And I probably have thoughts about my kids that they don't consider to be true about themselves. I just feel like you can't limit people.
1: Yeah, I wonder if they don't see it as limiting, though, because she is mm. the page of cups to them, so that she is just filled with potential. They they're just giving her information, just yeah. a scaffold. It doesn't mean that that is what's going to define your life. And also, you know, is the is the future in absolutes? Do we believe in a a closed loop universe? Are there infinite universes spawning out of every decision?
0: Is it Alice from Twilight, or is it like? Is
1: it like time-turner, closed-loop sort of situ? Yeah. yeah.
0: I think the main events are going to happen the way that they're going to happen. This book wrinkles my brain. This whole series wrinkles my brain. Um, can we talk about The Grey
1: Man for a second? Because yes. his whole existence is sort of a secret. You know, he doesn't have a name, he wears these nondescript clothes, he's like, just think everything is grey, and even his employer doesn't know his name. He writes mm. books under a pseudonym that he apparently, you know, gets on college reading lists for and all these things. I love But then that. he tells his hosts immediately, he's like, oh, I'm a Hitman. So does he do that because he d- it doesn't actually matter? Or does he just assume they won't believe him? It just seems like a weird thing to say to people to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a Hitman.
0: <laughs> I think that they just assumed he meant something like it was corporate jargon for some other thing. I, like, I think he was, he's just one of those terminally honest people. Because he does seem to be very much like, no, we have to say the right thing. He's very careful with what he says and how he says it. Like, he considers everything in a particular way and I noticed this a lot when he was dealing with Declan too like he he showed him a couple different ways that he could kill him and explained how painful they would each be and then said this is what I want you to do and this is what you're going to do so he's like very considered not consider it, mm. but consider in the way that he approaches things. And I think his own identity is one of those things
1: too. Yeah, and the way that he says to Declan, you know, a politicians lie because he wants Declan to know that he knows about his yeah. like, political aspirations. He doesn't just yeah, come yeah. out and say it, he just implies it. I think he's a great character. I really, really enjoy the Grey Man.
0: I do like that he is very protective about his identity and I like that he wants to get rid of his identity and that he cops to that. Like, I think that that's a really important thing. He actually wants to be a secret from himself the gray man like he doesn't want to be who he was like he mentions Mm. wanting to just forget it
1: yeah the the further he goes the longer it goes the easier it becomes to forget right definitely wants to kind of just disappear
0: and into the gray spaces but we love the gray spaces yeah big fan something that really jumped out at me was declan's need for connection with other people Mm. and it was observed by the gray man You know, like that he was a perpetual motion machine, that he was always with other people, that he was like leaning over, talking to someone, talking to a girl, talking to an older man. Like he was always connecting with people. And I thought that was really interesting that, like, he was out there making these connections, whether they were genuine or business connections or whatever. I think they serve Mm. something in Declan, and I would be really interested to kind of follow that through the series, too. I love
1: that he made the connection when he was talking about Matthew as well, being, you know, always wanted to be around other people. Because I wonder if for Declan it's not a protection thing. Like, if he's around other people, then he's safe. You know, it's when he's on his own that he's at, at risk.
0: Yeah, for sure. But also it's very lonely being the one in charge of things. (laughs) I would think he would just want to be a a person his own age. He's very good at having two lives, right? So I feel like the curation of this not Lynch life is very important. Like the Declan life is very important to him because it's where he feels like he actually gets to do the things he wants to do. And that his family obligations kind of pull him away from the person he feels like he has no right to be. And I mean, even the grey man says he can't tell if it's Declan connecting with other people or other people connecting with him. Like, he doesn't know how far that magnetism goes. I feel like this is going to be very Declan for me, this book.
1: Hmm. Declan is definitely interesting. Hmm. The whole family is. I find the Lynch family really interesting. I've, the way these brothers all have their own secrets and they're all secrets in their own ways. And they don't, they're do not they not really knowable to each other. It's just fascinating. Hmm. It really is. And how others perceive them as well. The connection between them. You know, if we think about our other theme of connection, you know, they're always going to be brothers, even when they're not fighting. They still go to church on the Sunday. They have these rituals that they still do, even though Declan and Ronan are constantly in each other's throats. 14 missed calls, and he's like, YOLO, throws it in the side. (laughs) Like Poor Declan (laughs) trying to get hold of this annoying little brother.
0: Yeah. Are you alive? Please tell me you're alive. Oh my goodness. I understand. I both completely understand where Ronan's coming from here, and I also completely get where Declan's coming from here.
1: I think what I love about it is it's not that it's because of Declan that's calling him, it's just because Ronan actually hates phones. Like, he won't even pick up the phone when Gansey drops it. He's just like, all right, there's nothing he hates more than a phone. I kind of <laughs> like love that. He's like, he's got this phone sort of against his will because you yeah. need one to live in society, but he's not happy about it, and he's not no. going to be useful about it. <laughs>
0: no obstinate to the point of being inconvenient i want to be that way sometimes i love that he gets to talking about connection i think you
1: know i love that line that blue has on page 11 which like in that moment blue was a little in love with all of them their magic their quest and how they you know that friendship between this group still persists even despite adam's choice at the end of the last book which was quite confronting to them all
0: yeah, yeah, it really was. And, you know, Ronan really doesn't like how Ganzi is pretending that it doesn't have an effect on him. Mm. But everybody's observing Adam and everybody's keeping track of how he is. And Blue doesn't really know how to act around him anymore. She feels like there's this chasm between them, like she's not part of that little unit of two. I feel like that's just, you know, Adam is sort of
1: a third kind of secret now as well, because he's different and apart, but they don't know how. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know what this bargain's meant to him yet. And they don't know how that's going to manifest. His friends don't know how it's going to manifest. So everyone's just sort of watching him all the time.
0: Yeah. But I
1: thought that, you know, those, those touches that Adam has where he's like touching Blue's wrist
0: her you know, elbow. his
1: touch her elbow, yeah, his touch was a whisper in her language. she didn't speak very well. all these little bits of connection from Adam because he wants that closeness, but he also doesn't know how to how to get it, how to get there. yeah,
0: yeah. and I think the other thing is this blues mad that she's not responding the way she wants to be. She doesn't know what to do with it. And I feel like if you're into it, you lean in or you touch back or you know like it's more automatic. you're not overthinking it as much maybe.
1: I love that on page forty seven when she says, you know, so she's gone away, she's come back to the table and she's leaning next to the, the table beside Adam and she says, you know, who touched her wrist. She didn't know what to do in response. Touch it back, the moment had passed. She resented her body for not giving her the correct answer. She asked, what is this other language, by the way? So she's talking about the puzzle box but I <clears> love that, that, that juxtaposition of, you know, her, she's mad at her body for not giving her the answer she needs and then she goes, what is that other language, by the way? Because affection and love and emotion that is a language that the body speaks in and of itself and yeah. the fact that she's that those two things are next to each other i just i kind of loved it i just love the awareness yeah. of it
0: yeah can we talk about the puzzle box for a second i really love the puzzle box and it's one of my favorite things in the whole series the first word that Ronan puts on it is tree and he literally <laughs> puts that word right after he they're like what is this other language i mean i just <laughs> would like to point out that this is what happens. I'm not saying that there's any reason for pointing this out, but I just wanted to point that out. Um, I also love that Blue comments on how beautiful it is and how it looks so different than something she imagines that Ronan would dream. But Ronan dreams really beautiful things. Like the first thing he pulls out of a dream ever is flowers. So he's actually really connected to this idea of beauty and some sort of terrible joy. And he's just really afraid of it. Like it's a secret that he's a joyful and loving and gentle person almost. Mm, yeah, he keeps that from himself as well. For sure.
1: I love how dreaming is just a way for him to feel connected to life. And also the the street racing in a way. Like that's mm. the moments when he feels most alive. Like he talks about... You know, how the successful demonstration of the planet left him hyper-alive. Like, he's so much more alive when he's dreamt something, when something's happening.
0: I just think that's really interesting. I don't get the runner's high, but I know that feeling of, like, when I've run for a really long distance, and you're just clean and exhausted, and you feel like you really could just, like, punch out a deity. And so I love the way that Ronan feels like this after a dream.
1: Why would you say you don't get a runner's high and then describe a runner's high?
0: (laughs) Because I don't feel high. I feel like really worn out and tired, but I still feel like extremely capable. I really resonated with the idea that he wanted to burn something to the ground. Because if I do something, or if I'm like really keyed up, I also feel like, hey, what can I destroy?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's very relatable.
0: It is, especially as a teenager, when you just want to mess everything up because you need to see that you're having an effect on the world. That was something I didn't realize that I would outgrow. I thought I would feel like that forever. But I don't normally need to destroy things now.
1: I think Kavinsky is also trying to connect with Ronan so hard, like, if we're thinking of connection, he, the racing, the bracelets, the antagonism, the way he just comes from him at every level, and Ronan just won't meet him on any one.
0: He's, he's trying, he's like, he knows he should hate him, but he doesn't, that's as like, much as he allows himself to kind of acknowledge it. Um, i it's like, it's like the classic pulling of pigtails or something, I don't know. I mean, this I love is a narrative that... that's damaging, and we shouldn't use it. But like, I think in this case, it actually applies. Where Kavinsky just wants his attention so bad, he'll do anything to get it, even if it's rude.
1: Yeah, and I I love that Blue describes. You know, she she observes Kavinsky going over to the table, and she she describes Ronan as being the most changed. His posture is the most changed when he he's like, he's still sitting there with his arms crossed, but there's so much tension in him. Like,
0: yeah. This is somebody who's walling himself off from someone who can be very much. Like, it's like trying to defend against a pipe bomb, really.
1: I do love that Ganzi's like, that's not fun, that's trouble, when he's talking about Kavinsky, because it reminds me of Mad Max, you know, when they're in the car and Max is like, that's bait? Like, Mm -hmm. that is Kavinsky, he's bait. That's Uh -uh. everything he's doing is baiting. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Dadsey is not wrong. He's peaked (laughs) Dadsey in this moment, turning (laughs) his indicator and refusing to race the car.
0: always using his turn signal, always driving very carefully. Look, we no stand one it responsible teenager. <laughs> no.
1: This is like no wonder that Ronan is like beside himself sitting in this car that is such a nightmare to be in and he's not even racing the thing. What is the point of having a car like that? Come on. I'm with Ronan here. I would have 100% done the drag.
0: I mean, I Have an adventure car, and I've never gone camping in my car or even in Australia, so that tells you something about who we think we are and who we are, I guess. (laughs) Like, I would also aspirational
1: car, yeah. I'm gonna buy a Mustang, that's what I'm gonna do.
0: Oh my goodness, please buy a newer one with airbags. I love you, don't get crashed.
1: Yeah, no, I will because I can't be bothered looking after a 79, which is the one I really want, but I'll get a a new one.
0: Thank you for buying something with crumple zones. I love you. Every time someone's driving a vintage car in a show, I'm like, no, where are the
1: airbags? I also love that Adam is like doing the math in his head about why this drag race wouldn't work anyway, and Ronan's like, I've beaten him before, and he's like, not in your car, you haven't. I kind of love that.
0: I love that Adam hasn't even opened his eyes. He's guessing that he's in the Evo. He's like, "Mm, this is what's happening, right? His eyes are completely shut. He's so tired. He's just doing the math while he's exhausted it's like such bigger couple energy it's great I love it so funny
1: and he's just like got the you know oh this car does this in 0 to 60 and this car does this in 0 to 60 I'm like okay Adam walking encyclopedia about cars
0: he's a hoon as well but he's much more subtle about it Mm. I love that this book is a hoon book
1: love a bit of hooning The urge just takes you sometimes where you're just going to, like, drag race some people on an open highway. You see a stretch of open road. You can't resist putting your foot down. That is the Hoon code. (laughs) Which is why I sympathize with Ronan when he's like, look, four lanes of highway. No one around. Why are we not doing the thing? I'm here. I'm here for it. I would have done the thing.
0: And I'm with Mm Gansi.
1: That's trouble. I have done the thing. It's harder in Wellington because the roads are not very straight. But if you get a straight
0: piece of road... It seems very scary to go very fast there.
1: Yeah, we do have a highway, like we didn't go on it, but a fit further out. So you've got like two lanes that are fairly straight, which is where most of this sort of behaviour happens. because um, it does happen, of course. But okay. definitely not where we were driving, like not in town, not in the hills. You need a good stretch of road. This is true. I do like racing people from street streetlight to street light though. I do that quite a lot in town. <laughs>
0: I am the annoying person going, oh, look, I caught up with them at the next red light. Like, I am that person. I am totally gansy in this where I just, nope, nope. I think that's all of my connection and secrecy. I mean, it's just the beginning, right? The prologue itself is like, this, these are all the secrets. And then we have just more evidence of the secrets. The whole chapter mm-hmm. is, the whole section we read is just all secrets. But it's really lovely because we then get to unravel them as we go on. And we get to yeah. see where the connections deepen or where they fray, which is really important to look out for yeah i agree did you have any tangential marginalia yeah i thought it was interesting
1: because last time i watched the kind of Ronan animal dehumanization comparisons you know the way people describe him as gansey's dog and stuff like that and then we have the epigraph in this novel which is i loathe people who keep dogs they are cowards who haven't got the guts to bite people themselves and i thought it was so interesting that that is the one of the epigraphs to this book. Even the way that Ronan remembers his dad, as he's saying, you know, he always said Ronan differently from other words, as if he meant to say another word entirely, something like knife or poison or revenge. Like the way that Ronan is just a tool for people to use.
0: Yeah, and not a positive one, I guess. Yeah, and on page 50, there's that whole thing, Ronan looked ready to bite him when Kavinsky's touching his head, which like, honestly, that's so patronizing to do and I would be annoyed as well. Interesting that Ronan doesn't actually say anything, though.
1: Because normally he would. Like, normally he would be spoiling for a fight in that moment, but he doesn't.
0: Mm. Maybe he used up all his venom being rude at Blue for being right about something. Yeah, Blue is
1: so funny. Like, that moment (laughs) when... (laughs) Gansy is like, I would have thought feminists had more muscles, and she's like, smiling when you say that doesn't make it funny. I'm like really into that response, like great
0: response. Um, I also really loved the, on page 47, when Gansy goes, why is the tea so good here? And she goes, I spit in it. <laughs> Like she doesn't even skip a beat. She just says it and then she's like, hey, let me have a look at this puzzle box. Like, just moves right on. But It's so funny. The great thing about that, it
1: comes after her internal moral monologue where she's like, I don't know why everyone goes on about the tea here. Like, these people are just being taken for a ride. It's such a scam. And then Gansey is like, why is the tea so good here? <laughs> so funny. Great. I love it. Um, I also love that we see a bit more of, you know, Adam's imperfect faith and magic versus Ronan's resolute belief, which is something that in the last book Adam flagged as one of the flaws he saw in himself, that, you know, Gansley liked Ronan more because he had a perfect belief in magic, right? Yeah, And we see that again here, because Adam's like, well, it's impossible that this plane can fly, but Ronan's like it worked in a dream, so of course it'll work again. And then Ronan observes that Glenn, like Gansey wants to find Glendower because he needs proof of the impossible but Ronan already knew the impossible existed because he existed I love how all the boys think Gansey wants Glendower for a different reason
0: like, Yeah, they're so all wrong about me. it and it's great I know it's so great but I also think there's something really beautiful I, like there's a whole section of just Ronan's love for Gansey that I'd love to talk about Um, like he just accepts all of these things about Gansey so on page 20 Gansey drove because when it was the Camaro Gansey always drove and the conversation was about Glendower because when you were with Gansy, the conversation was almost always about Glendower. Um, and then on page 21, he says, mostly Ronan wanted to find Glendower because Gansy wanted to find Glendower. Like he, he actually doesn't think about it as something that he needs. He wants to do it because his friend wants to do it. Mm. And, you know, he talks about him as being like the Pied Piper where he could, you know, he has this professorial voice that on page 21, he says, it exuded certainty and commanded rats and small children to get up, get up, follow me. It had worked on Ronan anyway. Ronan cannot be led.
1: I was like, but who is Ronan seeing himself? they're the rat or the child in that comparison
0: maybe he thinks he's both a rat and a child a rat child and gansey is fallible this is the other thing like ronan knows that he's fallible and clocks these fallibilities but doesn't actually take issue with them like he doesn't like that gansey is pretending that everything's okay between him and adam because it's not true but he's failing to see that gansey needs to do this in order to move on and and not be hurt by it i wonder if that's
1: because getting Gansey knows Ronan before. like He is a friend from before Niall's death, right? So there is sort of a bond there that has been forged in that trauma that Ronan had and Gansey was there for it in a way that Adam and Blue weren't, obviously. So he will forgive Gansey anything because they're just brothers now, right? Because they've been through this thing together.
0: And it's not that Gansey hasn't forgiven Adam. He's just trying not to let the hurt touch him. I think is the difference.
1: Yeah, he doesn't think in absolutes the way that Ronan does. Like you know, for Ronan everything's black and white, and Gansey is more practical than that.
0: Yeah, and I think more idealistic.
1: I love the way that all these boys feel. Like none of them feel like their outsides match their insides. We saw that loads in the Raven Boys, and you know, Gansey talking about how he wants his insides to look like his outsides, and Adam thinking about how his outside doesn't match how he feels on the inside, and. In this book, we've got Ronan on page 33. The exterior of this early morning, Ronan didn't look like he felt on the inside. I just kind of love it. I love that they don't... It's so much about finding out who you are, right? Even Blue is struggling to find out who she is and how she can embody that. It's great. Love it. As a coming of age tale...
0: It is. There's a connection there with Blue and her family. I thought that was really interesting. On page 43, Blue didn't envy Orla's clairvoyance. She did envy her ability to be different without even trying. Blue had to try a lot. And that's in part of Blue's wobble about her identity, which I somehow forget every time I read this book. I'm like, oh, yeah, Blue's kind of going through it. Mm. But this is Ronan's book. So I just forget that it's also Blue's book. I love that because I just watched
1: Cruella last night with my mate and it's like there's a line in it that says normal is the cruel- cruelest insult of
0: them all and I feel like Blue really loves that.
1: And she yeah. doesn't want to be
0: normal, right? Yeah, she super doesn't want to be known normal. She wants to be like above it all, outside of it all. But then when she is, she's like, well, this sucks. Yeah. The curse of being too cool for school is that you don't fit in at school, I guess
1: speaking of above it all blue compares Adam as the fifth button on their controller that yeah. rimmed, you know off by himself but I thought it was so fascinating that that's the button that releases the missiles are we getting the implication that Adam's gonna blow up in that
0: moment I think it's not bad foreshadowing from my memories of the Raven King. Yeah, I think it's accurate because like Adam is still an unknown quantity at this point. Like he hasn't figured himself out and he has not figured out the ley line. He isn't even in conversation with it at the moment. He's just existing beside it as it crackles and springs back to life. He did this thing and then he's sort of going, all right, what next? Because he doesn't have any guidance. So it's a really apt metaphor it's so funny because blue is so new to the group like really this is only just a few months that they've been friends but adam Mm. is the one apart and i noted that too
1: i also want to flag that noah is holding things now in the last book he never held anything but now he's holding things
0: yes he's doing it we're here for you noah you can become corporeal very proud of him i love that the boarding school
1: (laughs) <laughs> rooms have names, not numbers. This is, like, peak posh <laughs> school behavior. So if you haven't listened to our boarding school episode, you should absolutely listen to it, because it's, like, so interesting to get a bit more insight into how boarding schools work, and, like, yes. I feel like this is peak boarding school. But also, like, evanescence being Declan's? Yes. Like, evanescence. So- like, he's obviously the life of the party when he wants to be. Like, he's very charming. People are attracted to his charm, all these things, but...
0: He's not real. He's not true. He's hiding it. Like, he's he's got yeah. this... Constructed self, and I mean, like, yes, all selves are constructed, blah blah blah. But like, his is really deliberate and thought through. Like, he's becoming someone that he has to, like, he's putting it on like a suit, I guess. Mm.
1: The only other line I had is just, I just love it. It's page twenty five when Gansey's asking Ronan to dream him an excuse not to go to this party, and he says, "Don't have to. Nature already gave you a spine." <laughs> Such a great line. I just love it. It's so nature good. already gave you a spine. I'm gonna use that. Yeah. Gansey's like this
0: is why you're not invited <laughs> like I can't take you anywhere
1: which is what he wants it's like when Blue says you know she's she's moral what is that line when she says she doesn't normally do anything she doesn't want to do like that she finds abhorrent or whatever mm. and, but she has to go to Nino's because it pays well like her and Ronan are so similar
0: oh they're the same and I love it I love that he calls her maggot and it's a term of endearment like she like comes up with something in place of the missiles on the plane and he's like oh thanks maggot <laughs> so annoying i would be like excuse you i am delightful and she's just like eh, it's Ronan." also the short tall combo you know it's just like right tall and small and ready to brawl <laughs> yeah i wouldn't want to be on either side of them or in between them if they're having a fight that would just be terrible i think the only other thing i really wanted to flag was the line on page 33 just after waking after dreaming his body belonged to no one i have really vivid dreams and i definitely feel like sometimes when I wake I grieve the life that I've just left. I had some crazy dreams. The last couple weeks I've just been dreaming like crazy and some of them have been like really hard to wake up from and be like oh I have to leave this place that I felt so fully in this world. It's just hard. It's like you know when you read a really good book only it's your own freaking brain. It's super frustrating. Mm. So I I definitely (laughs) feel that same like this is me and I'm now me and like what just happened? Like I was just somewhere else. I was just someone else. Like what is going on? Mm. So that one really struck me just a little bit a little bit of dreaming this last couple of weeks for me it's a good book to get into i guess uh did you have anything else for tangential no i did look up the
1: meaning because you know we get to see prokopenko in this like mm. just briefly in the car and i was like i wonder if that name means anything so i googled it and the only thing that came up was like conqueror in ukrainian Mm. and then there's a line on page 35 where Ronan's talking about his night horrors and he says plagues and devils, conquerors and beasts so I'm like, huh, maybe that is a thing
0: interesting mm. Mm. but that's it for me how about you? no, I think that was it I just love this book so much and I am so excited to read the whole thing <laughs> I felt like I wanted to keep going I was like, no, don't stop yeah
1: <laughs> Um. do you have in-depth marginalia? I do have in-depth, it's on page 21 um. This is when they're in the Camaro heading back to Henrietta and Ronan is sort of just pondering, you know, why Genzie is the way he is, like, why he wants to find Glendower so much. Genzie's on the phone to Mallory. And, like, Ronan is so aware of where everyone in this car is and what mm. they're doing, like, what Blue is doing and what Adam's doing. And he's just, like, in the front seat gnawing on his bracelets. And he said, and the the line is When Ronan had been smaller and more forgiving of miracles He'd considered the moment of death It was rhapsodic delight His mother had told him that when you looked into the eyes of God At the pearly gates, all questions you've ever had Were answered Ronan had a lot of questions So obviously I think it relates to the theme Because what's more secretive than death? Like, we don't know what's in the afterlife You don't know Mm. what comes after That's why people come up with all these stories and ideas And white lights Because this is the thing we want certainty of More than anything else because it's also the only thing that really connects all of us together. Like, we're all going to die. This is the one universal truth. So, yeah. it's quite a big thing. But what it actually reminded me of in other texts is just, I just kept thinking of that line in the Deathly Hallows in chapter 28, when Aberforth says, I knew my brother, Potter, he learned secrecy at our mother's knee, secrets and lies, that's how we grew up. And Albus, he was a natural. I just kept thinking of that line, secrets and lies, as I was reading this section, yeah. because like the Lynch family is just riddled with secrets and lies. It's just like yes. a bait and switch the whole time. Niall is playing everyone in this family yeah. secrets and lies. And the other thing that I really thought of a lot reading this section is there's a line in a Lucy Dacus song. The song's called Hot and Heavy. And the line is, you were a secret to yourself. You couldn't keep from anyone else. And I think that's in that moment as well. Like, you know, Ronan had a lot of questions because he he is a secret to himself. He doesn't really know. He can't find the answers within himself. He's just like, he doesn't know. So going forward, I think, you know, there's something to be said for self-awareness. Like interrogate why you're doing things. And I think Ronan is right. We do keep those second kind of secrets from ourselves because we're afraid. Like I am afraid. That's yeah. why I don't want to unpick that thought. I don't want to know. And it like, but it doesn't just impact us if we won't admit these things it has a flow on effect to everyone around us like we see with Niall like we see with Ronan with Declan secrets are heavy so ask yourself is this really something you need to hold is this something you need to carry on your own
0: or can you let it go and just be lighter for it it's a great question is this something I really need to carry on my own I mean yeah I do have a lot of your birthday presents that are secretly up there right now and I think I'll keep that to myself for a few more (laughs) weeks oh my gosh amazing um, what was your in depth marginalia? Um, mine is on page 35, and the line is Neither could really help the other find sleep, but sometimes it was better just to know you weren't the only one awake. Uh, so the context here is that Ronan has just dreamed a puzzle box, and he's kind of coming out of the sleep paralysis part of it, and he doesn't really want to be by himself in his room, so he figures Gansy's also awake, and Gansy is, so they go out to just sort of like commiseratively have insomnia together. Um, I think it relates to the theme in that they have this connection where they both struggle to sleep and get good sleep. Now Gansy's is because uh-huh. he has this ongoing existential anxiety and Ronan's is because sleep and nightmares and dreams are things that he, like he genuinely is afraid of his, of his dreaming, which is fair enough. Cause it can, it can become real. Um, But their connection with each other makes this side-by-side misery something that they can understand in one another, and it's kind of like a strengthening bond. They aren't able to untangle the why of it, but they're going through it together. Like, it's enough just to connect. It makes it easier for them to be able to connect. There's a bridge that they can cross together. Uh, What it reminds me of is, this is something I joke about. a lot is that I really love parallel play and parallel play in child development is when two kids play side by side but they don't actually interact with each other and like as an adult parallel play is my husband and I hanging out and scrolling our phones and occasionally like handing them across and being like watch this TikTok look at this Instagram post like this is for me what I call parallel play but it is one of my favorite things when you're just like hanging out with someone and I think that it's more to do with companionship than it is like company This is one of the Mm. things that I really love is just being able to like hang out with someone but not have it be a lot of energy, like coexisting in the same space. And that's something that Ronan and Gansey can really do. And they even do turn it into this deeper conversation about stuff. And Ronan's like happy to interact. He wants to be asked these questions. But there's still this moment of like, I'm just going to go out there and be with my friend who gets it. Mm going forward i want to recognize all the people who are in the trenches with me like who go through it and are also going through it and who also can just hang out with like i just really love that there are people in my life and you especially we just proved this we just spent a week hanging (laughs) out and not doing anything i mean we did a lot of stuff but like there was a lot of just hanging out together and it was really great i love that these boys have this friendship and i it just makes me really appreciate my friends more for being able to do Yeah, i love that nice when you have
1: people you can just do nothing with i always think that's such a great you can't do it with everyone but it's such a great mark of friendship when you just can do nothing with someone and not feel compelled to to be busy or to fill the silence or whatever yeah
0: yeah yeah look i love all of my introvert friends who just want to come over and read their phone next to me welcome anytime (laughs) uh do you have a character you want to spotlight this week I'm going to spotlight Blue because she is having an
1: identity crisis and that is not an easy thing to go through. It's Mm. really difficult. She doesn't know where to place herself in the world. You know, she doesn't know who she is or who she wants to be even, really, what she wants to do. So I think that is a really difficult thing. And for everyone else who's like going through that, man, I see you. It's hard. You're going to be all right. Keep going.
0: Bless. I love Blue yeah how about you who would you like to spotlight i'm gonna spotlight Declan the other dad in the friend group well he's not even really (laughs) in the friend group but i just feel like he's doing his best and he's really not getting any recognition for all the work he's doing he's trying to save literally save Ronan's life he's doing his best not to admit that he knows anything he's not trying not to tell a secret that he definitely knows and like he's also trying to survive because he's the person who can protect his brothers like he's it he feels like he's the last line of defense so he's in this real weird tension of like please don't kill me because i have to protect these other people who you're also trying to kill it sucks (laughs) anyway he's going through it and i feel like he deserves a pat on the back and maybe like just 10 minutes to cry in a bathtub with no interruptions so it's your yeah. oldest
1: sibling um solidarity coming <laughs> yeah, through there definitely it
0: super is i was reading these chapters and i was like i've been there jacqueline i have never been beat up by a hitman <laughs> but i feel the emotional weight of that event okay i feel it <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: that's good i'm glad you're spotlighting him <laughs>
0: he needs a little bit so- like somebody who likes him in these early early books <laughs> well next week we're going to read chapter 7 through 12 through the theme of control Always a good time. Thanks so much for potting with me. I really love this time and I'm so glad we're back in Steve Otterland.
1: Thank you. I'm really looking forward to getting back into this world. Let's dip our toes. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right.
1: I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. Marginali Pod is written, edited and produced by Jen D and Jen V with additional editing and production support by Simon B. If you enjoyed our chat, you can subscribe to Marginali Pod on your podcast platform of your choice. Your support means the world to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at marginaliapod.com. Our music is by Scott Buckley. For extended show notes or to find out more about us, visit us at www.marginaliapod.com.